Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I am your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments and share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this particular episode greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today we are back for our second episode of the year. We're um, got this. Uh, we're looking forward to 2023, and we are excited for this episode. J- Jason is with me. It's just he and I again, and we are kicking off a brand new series of podcast episodes in the grand scheme of our podcast. And we have titled this the Old Dead Guys series. <laughs> and this is going to be a historical flavor uh, in our podcast stream. So we have a lot of theological and biblical um, podcast episodes, which are great and helpful. But we thought that adding a, f- uh, a historical flavor would be really helpful to our listeners. And I think one of the things we want to do is introduce these guys to our listeners. Yes. So that they might get acquainted with them. And yes. again... Um, as I said in the uh, episode last week, we just want to prompt you to maybe read these guys, read a biography of, of one of these men. Um, we want to pique your interest. Re- that's right. We read- want to give you give you a little taste of something to for you to go out and do your own uh, reading and study and exploring. That's right. That's what we want to do here. That's right. So we've got a... Um, Maybe not the most familiar name to some. Maybe some of you are very familiar with this name. But in the grand scheme of the last, say, four to five hundred years, um, this man uh, is might be less known to some. But we know him primarily by something that he did, and we'll get to that later on in our episode. Right. But uh, this man was uh, born in England, and yes. we'll get to all of the history, the history behind him. But uh, he was an Englishman in the 1600s, and he was a Baptist. He was a Baptist minister, and we'll talk about that soon. But um, it was said of him by um, a contemporary Puritan, John Owen, it was said of him, of Bunyan, uh, that... Of who? Of John oh, Bunyan. Oh, John Bunyan. <laughs> I was trying to hold out for our listeners to, yes. to add some suspense there, but you've already seen the title of the episode, so <laughs> we already gave it away. Right. But John Owen, uh, a contemporary of Bunyan, said of him that he would gladly exchange all of his learning for Bunyan's power of touching men's hearts. And we're going to get into kind of Bunyan's ministry in a little bit. But if you know anything about John Owen, John Owen was a towering theologian of the 1600s. He was a Congregationalist minister, pastor, but he has a prolific, uh, there's a a name that I'm thinking, uh, a corpus, huge volume of literature that he wrote, systematic theology and all sorts of things that he wrote. And for him to speak that highly of a man like John Bunyan really carries weight, gravitas. Right. And so this is someone that we need to know about. And here's one thing that I would think that most of our listeners would know about John Bunyan. The 
the most famous book that he wrote. Now he he wrote, I think, a total of fifty eight books. He in wrote his life. also a lot. He did a lot of literature. He did, and the the book that we're talking about in its uh, first copies. Uh, the first printing of its yes, decades, yes. it sold over 100,000 copies. first 10 years of it being published. Right. It has since been reprinted in a hundred and uh, 1,500 editions and translated into more than 200 languages. Dutch, French, and Welch editions appeared in his lifetime. That is in Bunyan's lifetime. That is absolutely amazing, considering it was in the late 1600s. That's right. And some scholars have asserted, with the exception of the Bible, and perhaps Thomas Kempis, the imitation of Christ, that Bunyan's book, his classic book, has sold more copies than any other book ever written. What so, book are you talking about, Jason? I'm talking about The Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, yes. And, and what we want you, listener, to, to kind of... This is where we want to, we're going to come back to the Pilgrim's Progress at the end of the episode. So hang on. We're going to give a lot of history first. But if you don't read anything else this year, pick up a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. Right. We hope that this episode will cue or uh, pique your interest in that and uh, give you a little taste of, man, I got to read this. If you are one who makes New Year's resolutions, <laughs> yeah, this if would you heard be, our previous episode, <laughs> right, this would be a great New Year's. This would be a great one. And once you get started in the book, yes. you will not be able to put it down. It, it will is, flow. Yes, and uh, be uh, a great encouragement to absolutely. your soul. Absolutely, absolutely. So we want to. We're going to come. We're going to table that. We're going to come back to that. So we want to introduce you to the man John Bunyan. Jason has got this beautifully typed he spent all night work i'm just kidding <laughs> he's got this wonderfully typed little miniature uh chronological biography of his life that we're going to walk you through who is john bunyan will you kick us off jason well this comes from several resources that i was able to um give some time to to try to put this timeline together you already mentioned that he was born in england he was born in 1628 um his childhood was um um, a typical childhood in some ways. He did learn to read. He did learn to write. His father made sure that he went to school. Um, his language was bad. Yeah, um, I want to. I want to pause for a second. This kid. If you read anything <laughs> about his childhood, all of the resources that I was finding say the same thing. He was a troublemaker. Right. He was a little devil. <laughs> he <laughs> he had a foul mouth, and he got into all sorts of things. Right. When he was 16, yes, this was in 1644. Okay, he was 16 years old. His mother and his sister died mm. in the same month. Yes, his father immediately remarried, and it was a difficult time. And John joined the army, yeah. and became, by his own admission, a very godless, profane yes. person. Yes. Um, I what? believe it was Oliver Cromwell's army, and this would have been the time where lots of uh, church and state issues were happening in England. That's right. Um, the act of toleration. I, I'm no history buff, but there there was a lot of turmoil in England. Uh, well, it was called the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth. And Parliament, Parliament was the um, um, sole proprietor yes. of uh, yes. the government, yes. if you will. Yes. And Oliver Cromwell was uh, the... Uh, one who was uh, leading the direction of the government and the nation at that time. Yes, yes. And, 
and there was uh, fighting, there was war going on. Um, when he was 18, John Bunyan, while he's in the army, he's assigned to go on a particular mission. And there was a, a young man in the company with him yes. in his uh, division that wanted to go in his place on this mission. Yes, for whatever reason. Right. It's a, this is a fascinating part of his little, his right. little biography here. And so Bunyan uh, said that he would uh, be glad for the substitute to go. Sure. He consented to that. And the Bunyan stayed behind. Right. And this substitute went in his place, and the substitute uh, was killed, uh, shot in the head. Shot in the head. As a sentry. Yes. As he was uh, And guarding. that would have been Bunyan standing there. That's right. And praise the Lord. That's God's providence. Yes. Because the Lord had other plans for John Bunyan. Absolutely. Well, in 1647, he's 19, and he marries a girl who was a godly girl who had a good godly father, raised her well, but that family was poor. This girl had nothing for a dowry. She had two Christian devotional books that were left to her by her father, who her father had, had died. And one of those books is called The Plain Man's Pathway to Heaven, and the second book is called A Practice of Piety. Well, this woman, who remains unnamed to we us. We don't know her. We don't know History her History does not know her. They had four children. Correct. Two boys, two girls. The oldest of their children was Mary, and she was born blind. Now, it was at this time, because of these two books, that Bunyan began to read those books with his wife. And he testified that those books didn't really reach his heart to awaken it, but they caused him to reflect upon his life, and he decided that he was going to reform right. his life. That's right. They were instrumental, but they, they didn't do a whole lot for him. Right. That's right. So he fell into the religious um, times, the religious duties of the times. i put it that way. Sure. And uh, so he attended church regularly. He began to read the Bible. He appreciated the Old Testament history. He, he didn't really enjoy the New Testament, the epistles. He, he changed his thought about uh, sports on the Sabbath. Uh, he reformed his language. He began to um, live a very moral and religious life. And by his own words, here's what he said about that time in his life. He was nothing but a poor, painted hypocrite. Mm, wow. And uh, he says that he did all that he did to be seen by men yep. or to be well spoken of by yes, men. Yes, yes. But one day in God's providence, uh -huh. he overheard three women. And they were talking about their new birth in Christ. They were sharing their testimonies with one another. And he became interested as he was overhearing this conversation that these three women were having. And um, he then began to have dialogue with them and ask questions. Yeah, he saw, if I remember correctly, he saw something very genuine and very attractive with their relationship to their Lord that they right. were talking about. There was there was something very um, real. Right. Not just this facade of religion. Right. Right. Moralism and that sort of a thing. Right. And he was a tinker. A tinker. Yes. Oh, wait. Uh, we skipped that part. Yes. He, he repaired uh, pots and yes, pans. Yes. And um, he was uh, on the job. He was on he, the job. When he overheard these conversations right. with these women. He was an ordinary Joe. Right. Of sorts. He was your common... Uh, tradesman. Yeah. This was no prolific pastor or 
Uh, he was just an ordinary dude. Right. Um, and in God's providence, I love how this, because you can see God's providence working and ordering his life. That's right. Uh, and so these three ladies, they were members of a small little Baptist congregation, and John Gifford yes. was the pastor That's of right. that congregation. That's right. And John Gifford um, began to... Uh, he was a mentor of sorts to Bunyan. Yes, because he took him under his wings. Because yes. as John Bunyan began to talk with these ladies mm-hmm. and have other conversations, um, then they introduced him to their pastor, and then John Gifford gave John Bunyan... Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. Wow. How many uh, commentaries on the book of Galatians have you given your church members, Jason? (laughs) I'm teasing. Uh, You don't have to answer that. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to sign off now. I'm teasing. (laughs) No, but I mean, who does that? That's incredible, right? Right. A new convert? Or, you know, I'm guessing he was a new convert. Well, he he read read the Galatians commentary. And God began to work in oh, his heart. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. And he was saved. That's right. He I, went for a walk, mm-hmm. and uh, God began to, uh, through the Holy Spirit, convict him of his sin. Yes. He recognized his need of salvation, and he became a devoted member of that little Baptist church. It was in Bedford. Bedford, England. That's right. And uh, to kind of leave this timeline, he lived almost the majority of his life in Bedford. I'm pretty sure. Most of his, the rest of his life, he was in Bedford. Right. That's right. Even to his death, I think, yeah. or near that. That's right. He became a deacon. He did. Uh, at that uh, little Bedford Baptist Church. Yes. Uh, he became a lay, a lay pastor, and he received this commission, a roving commission to go preach in other villages. He was a street preacher. He was. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and but, but his preaching was very popular. Yes. Um, very. It was a powerful way that he preached with emotion and thought, um, and... Large crowds would gather. Yes, the ex- which is that speaks to John Owen's quote or uh, commendation of him. Yes, of I would I, would, th- this man says I would do away with all of my knowledge if I could have just a little bit of his ability that God uses to attract and to minister to people. Right, um, and so, powerful. And so by this time we're at 1659. Great, okay. good, good on the timeline. There. Yeah, and so in 659. His first wife died. Yes. And he marries a lady by the name of Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and Elizabeth uh, raised together their four children, but um, the four children actually that he had with his first wife. But in 1660, just a year after their marriage, yes. um, Charles II is proclaimed the king, yes. and the Commonwealth dissolves. Yes, and Charles II then begins what is known as the restoration of the monarchy. And this is a huge pivotal moment in Bunyan's life, as well as for everyone else living at the time. Right. This was this was not good. And he was preaching one day. That's right. At a house, and he was arrested. Yep. And I read uh, in some of the things that he he defiantly continued. He could have just you know. Okay, I'll take me away. No, he continued even when he knew the the, the police were there, right? Whatever they were called. Now, at the time. That recall what's happening is sure. the restoration of the monarchy is now um, trying to promote the Anglican Church, the the Church of England, Church of England, and make everyone conform. That's yes. the state church. You yes. must do everything religious and air quotes yes. uh, in the confines of the. Church of England. One religion. 
one religion. Yeah, one, yeah. So all of these Baptist churches and these nonconformist kind of churches were... Um, targets. Con- targets, that's right. And um, there was, in 1662, there was the great expulsion of Puritan yes. preachers all over the country. Yes. yes, tragic time. It was. I can't imagine. Yeah. But, but Bunyan was arrested in 1660, as we said. He was. Um, he spends from 1660 to 1672 in prison. Twelve years in prison, or in jail. I don't know if it was prison. It was in the Bedford Jail. It was in the Bedford Jail. And um, it wasn't always like what we think. Exactly. Um, he was allowed, actually, to get out yes. and go visit his family. Yes. And uh, spend some time even preaching. It wasn't a torturous dungeon sort of a situation that we might think right. necessarily. Right. Now, I've read different things because I also read that it, those prisons in that day uh, or those jails were, were very um, dank, dark. Oh, I'm uh, sure that they were. The, sure. N- unhealthy. Yes. He had a Bible. He did. And he had uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's right. Only two books. Right. And he would preach in the jail, and then he yes. would go out and preach at midnight <laughs> at houses, and he would come back. You can tell back. this guy was a little bit fiery. Right. He could have <laughs> he could have gotten out of prison yes. at any point. At any point. If he had agreed not to preach at all. Exactly. And he would not exactly. to agree to that. Yep. Elizabeth, his wife, made several appeals for mm-hmm. him before the magistrates and the yep. judges. N- nobody had mercy on him to release him. You know, the biggest hurt that he had, of course, was his separation from his family. Yes. And a, particularly his blind daughter, Mary. Yes. That was a, a terrible um, kind of uh, emotional thought and battle that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, he he finally in 1672 is released from prison. He becomes the pastor of that little church, John Gif- John Gifford's church. Right, right. I'm pretty sure if that if memory that's serves right. me, yeah, the, uh, the church he was converted in. That's essentially. right. That's right. Uh, I can't remember if John Gifford had moved on or if he had passed on uh, by this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, and you're you're speaking after that 12 years. Yes, right, right. After his 12 years of jail time. Yes, yes. yes. Because he he was able then to pastor for the next sixteen years, long and, time, and he died in sixteen eighty eight. Yes, and he was jailed one other time, I believe, if memory serves. That's me, right. A short amount of time. That's right. For illegal preaching again. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, wow, but so much here. The thing that uh, we want to focus on then uh, is the book that he wrote. He we said at the beginning he wrote fifty eight books. Yes. And uh, don't have time to go through all those titles, but the one that we want to focus on is the uh, Pilgrim's Progress. It in 1658, um, that was the first year. I'm sorry, 1678. That was the first year that it was published, um, as best we can know. Yeah, and I uh, let me jump in real quickly. I've read several things, and I don't know if we have a real um, hard timeline on when it was written how long it took him to write, but we know when it was first published. Right. So that's really kind of what we, it's a little bit speculative. Right. On the timeline. It could have been, he could have started it during his 12-year prison or jail time. Um, it's likely that he was writing it then, but we don't know if it was completed then or what. Right. So. One of the one of the books that um, was helpful in trying to read through his biography and this timeline to just briefly walk through it in this episode it's called Meet the Puritans. Uh, it's a it's um, a book that has 
a number of Puritans yes. and uh, that uh, there's a biography of each of these guys and then you can uh, get a listing, a bibliography of their writings. Yes. But that's a good resource to go to. And so let's think about now making the transition, sure. Duffy, into uh, the book itself. Tell me about Pilgrim's Progress and uh, when was the first time you read it? Um, I read it the first time um, about five years ago or six years ago. Now, when I say that, I had read it a kid's abridged version many years ago. Mm-hmm. But the first time I actually read uh, the unabridged full treatment was as an adult. Right. I don't remember. It was it was uh, fewer than 10 years ago, but it's been a long time. I right. can't remember exactly. Right. Um, and it... I'll be honest, it did not zing with me the first time I read it because I read it in kind of the old English style and it was a little bit a little bit clunky to get through and I read it again and kind of re it impacted me much more the second time that I read through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's again it's been a long time. But uh, what we have in the Pilgrim's Progress is not a theological book necessarily. It's not a historical book. It's not really a narrative form book. It kind of is a narrative form book, but it actually takes place kind of in this um, play style format where we have different characters and uh, a man named Christian is the main character. He is the pilgrim on his way. And what we have with the Pilgrim's Progress is Bunyan is writing this it is a narrative in some way it is, but it's, it's in the form of this dream. He's, he's written it as, this is what I saw in my dream, this man named Christian. Right. And then it kind of takes off from there. Right. So he's lying in prison. He is lying in prison. And the seeds of this uh, book begin to germinate in yes. his mind. Yes. And uh, he, he's trying to work on another book. Um, and the thoughts of the Pilgrim's Progress story keep coming to his mind. And so he has to eventually put aside his other other writing <laughs> yes. so that, that the story can yes. come out. Now, it's an allegory. It is. And it's uh, an allegory is a symbolic fictional narrative. Yes. And it conveys a meaning not explicitly seen in the narrative itself. That's right. And what I meant earlier by narrative, it's not a, it's not like a historical narrative where uh, it's very chronological in that way. It's it, it when you start reading it, if you've read it before, it it kind of takes place in a play like format. Right. <laughs> That's what the best I, best I can describe well, it. And, and he and he starts the story off when he um, writes that he is in a dream. He's having a he dream. Is, yes. And he begins then to relate how. This man, Christian, um, then is born again. Uh, actually, he's struggling with his sin. Yes, and he it's has a this, battle with sin at first. He has a burden on his back. So the very beginning in my copy here, this just gives you a taste. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where was a den, and I laid, da- laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. That's right. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a place with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden on his back. Right. And I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. <laughs> Those are the first lines of the Pilgrim's Progress. Right. Well, it's obvious that the book becomes the Word of God. 
Yes. And the burden is his sin. Sin. And so then the rest of the story is how he gets rid of that burden. Yes. And he begins this journey from the um, uh, hometown, the city of destruction. That's right. And he's headed to where? The Celestial, Celestial city. city. That's right. Uh, and uh, along the way, he's going to um, meet several different people. Let's yes. just l- let me give you some of the characters. Yeah, please do. Okay. Um, we are we already talked about Christian, but he's going to meet evangelist, and evangelist is a preacher. He's the first character you meet. That's right. He's seriously concerned about people's souls, and he has a conversation with Christian about what to do about his burden. Uh, there's a man by the name of Obstinate, Pliable. There's Mr. Worldly Wise. Yes. There's Goodwill. Yes. Uh, there's Interpreter. And you can, listener, if you've never read this, if this is new to you, you can tell already that he has purposefully named all these characters because they, the, their, their names mean the... It's not rocket science to right. figure it out. Right. So you meet all these representative characters. Right. right. He, he, it's like, fascinating. He meets Mr. Talkative. <laughs> yes. He meets... Um, Apollyon. Yes. He meets three virgins who are in charge of the palace beautiful. Yes. Yes. And these virgins are discretion, prudence, piety, and charity. (laughs) (laughs) Don't name your girls that Uh, necessarily. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He meets uh, ignorance. He means Uh turn away. He means flatterer. And and, and then here's some of the places that he's going to go to. Yeah. He's going to go to the Valley of Humiliation. Slow of Despond is the first place he gets. Yes, that's right. Uh, he's going to go through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. That's right. He's going to go to the City of Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. That's where Worldly Wiseman is. Yes. He's going to go to the town of Fair Speech. Mm-hmm. He's going to get captured and held prisoner in Doubting Castle. Yep. Um, what about the uh, the mountain, Mount Le- uh, Lega- uh Oh, yeah. Uh, this thought is escaping me. He meets Legality. Which is a character, right? Am I getting that confused? No, he meets Mr. Worldly Wise Man, who is from the city of morality. Morality. Yes. That's right. That's right. And and Mr. Worldly Wise Man tries to get Christian to go to his village. That's right. And live by law. Law. We don't want to give too much away here, but you got to read it. It's a great... um, And what this is, what Bunyan is doing with the Pilgrim's Progress, is he is... This is a story of the ups and downs, the battle, the perseverance of the Christian life. Yes. Um, you, you, you read it and you become so, um, it is so relevant to anyone who is a believer. You right. immediately start identifying with the Christian as he's meeting these different characters and going to these different places. And it's encouraging. It's convicting. Uh, it makes you want to... Uh, Oh, I can't believe Christian went that way. Are you kidding me? I would never do something like that, right? Right. <laughs> you know, what am I? Uh, there's several favorite parts. Um, they go to the town of Vanity Fair. That's one of my favorites as well. Yes, and Faithful is martyred there. Yes. Faithful oh, is a companion that yes. joins Ho- uh, Christian, along yes. with Hopeful. Yes. Hopeful is another companion, but Faithful is martyred at Vanity Fair. I don't Vanity like that Fair. part. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good portion because you can feel the battle and the turmoil there. Yeah. There and then when Faithful gets martyred and killed, and Christian has to go on without a companion for a time. Yeah, that's right. that's 
<laughs> that gets real. I'm going to put it in uh, <laughs> modern talk. That right. gets real. Right. Um, and one of my favorite parts is, though, the end. Yes. When uh, faithful, uh, rather Christian and hopeful mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. finally made it. Yes. And the shining ones, mm-hmm. the angels of mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. have come to help them cross the river of death. Yes. And so they have to cross that river. Yeah. And uh, there's a struggle that Christian has. Yes. And once they get to the other side, they they start going up to the gate of the celestial city. Mm-hmm. And the people of the city come out and meet them. Mm-hmm. And there's this great celebration. And there's bells ringing. And there's music. Yes. And there's shouting. And there's this triumphal kind of atmosphere. To Welcoming you. Christian and hopeful home. Yes. Um, on this the end of the long journey. It's a yes. wonderful story. It really is. And they get to the gate of the celestial city, and they have to stop. Mm-hmm. And the king of the city. Um, oh, I wonder who that is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, wants to see their certificates, mm-hmm. their certificates of a being born again. Yes. And they have those certificates, and they're presented to the king. And the gates open. And again, the the... The, the crowd is all around them, and there's this celebration of these two faithful believers who have made it to the celestial city, and ignorance comes along. Yes. Oh, um, I forgot. I, ha- I haven't read this in a while. You're right. Yeah. I forgot about this <laughs> man, The man ignorance comes along, <laughs> and ignorance was one who tried to live his life uh-huh. uh, morally and yep. religiously. Yep. And, but uh, didn't care too much for the book. No. Right? No. Christian, the whole journey, Christian has the book. Right. And it's the book, and it's the book, and my book, and the book says. Yeah. Ignorance didn't really have a whole well, lot to do with the book. Yeah. At one point in Doubting Castle, he has the key, yes. and the key is God's promises. Yes. And it, that's how they escape yes. the giant despair the giant. in the Doubting Castle. Yes. And... Um, but all that to yeah. say, when ignorance gets to the gate of the celestial city, he made it all the way. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the gate, and the mm-hmm. king asks for his certificate, and he didn't have one. And the shining ones come, and they um, open a door to the side yes. and um, bound and we, him. we know what happens. Right. <laughs> That's uh, Matthew 7. Why did you, or so many of you called me Lord, Lord, right? Right. That's a, an allusion to Matthew 7. Yeah. And, and here's the end. Then they took him up, this is ignorance, and carried him through the air to the door that I saw on the side of the hill and put him in there. Then I saw that there was a way to hell even from the gates of heaven as well as from the city of destruction. So I awoke and behold, it was a dream. Wow. That's how Okay, so if we have not whetted your appetite... Then I don't know something's wrong with you. You got to get this book, yes. and you got to read. Every Christian needs to read this book once. And we have it in Faith at Home. We do, um, and we should have at least one or two copies available. We can make them available if you would like to buy one through our church. There, I mean, this is the most widely sold book uh, in history. <laughs> so you can find this. You can yeah. find this book. It really many, is many helpful. Years. Yes. It, because it, it does encourage you to persevere. It is a it, doctrine of the perseverance. Yeah. It really is. It reminds you that um, we battle stuff along the yes. way. I mean, Christian gets off the path. Yes. He finds himself caught in a net. Yes. Um, uh, because he, he got off the path. Yes. He finds himself discouraged. He finds himself, as I said, um, 
locked up in doubt in cancel, That's castle right. That's with right. no hope. That's right. Until he remembers the promises. That's right. And the key that is in his pocket. That's right. And uh, and his his hope was not in himself, and that's what the you know that's what gets him out of the castle of right. despair of doubting castle. Right, right. As he looks to his maker, the king. Yes. Right. And all the different characters that he meets, as we kind of briefly mentioned, and um, all of those are people that that we can relate to. Yes. And and not that not necessarily just people that I can name, but we know that there are people like this out yes. there. But also just in relatability to stages in our life. Yes. There are stages in our life where we're given over to vanity. Yes. You know, some people battle that at a young age, some people battle that in at a mid age, some people battle that all their life. Some people don't battle with it. Right. But they battle with despair or doubt or all of these things. Right. And Pilgrim's Progress was written to encourage weary saints right. on their way to the celestial city. That's right. right. That's right. So you got to get a copy. Um, maybe pick a friend this year. Pick someone. You all read it together and talk through it. Uh, read through it together. Maybe you have a couple of friends or a family member. Maybe if you're a parent. Um, I know that there are some abridged versions, some shorter, more readable versions that you could read with your kids. This is wonderful to read with your children. Um, all sorts of ways to have a good resource to start off the new year. Yes. If there's any one book that we could recommend yes. for reading for 2023. It's, it's, it's got to be this. It's got to be this yes. because um, it will just be such a help to your soul. That's right. And then, and then obviously we're going to have other books that we're going to recommend this year and uh, we're going to talk about other old dead guys, and they're going to have yes. written things that we get excited yes. about. Yes. But to start off the new year with reading Pilgrim's Progress, oh. It that, will get you started off well. Yes. Um, we pray that that is the case. And yeah, to your point just now, we've got a lot of good stuff queued up for the coming weeks and months. Um, some very interesting names coming down the pipe with our old dead guys series. But this has been our first episode of the Old Dead Guys series, and I'm looking forward to several more. Jason, we've got a lot of reading to do. If we do, we do. <laughs> but um, I've enjoyed reading through this again. Yes. And, you know, just reading parts of Pilgrim's Progress again, thinking about it. Yes. It's so rich. Absolutely. Well, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, listener, for uh, this for listening to today's episode. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Um, don't forget... Please share this podcast. Um, if you have a friend or family member that would be benefited by our podcast, please pass it along. If you're on social media, uh, you can share it through Facebook, Twitter, however you share stuff on social media. We'd love for you to pass this along. Um, and don't forget that you can uh, reach out to us um, to look at a uh, to offer us some content for future podcasts. If you have a question. Uh, maybe an old dead guy that you'd like to learn about more. Uh, anything, send it to us. You can go to our, our website, bbcemory.org. Go to our media tab. Go all the way to the bottom of the page. There's a box there that you can submit us something. Uh, Duffy, you just asked if I had any last words. Sure, sure. And, and then one that just came to my mind yeah, as you're closing out the episode. Go ahead. Is that as you read Pilgrim's Progress, it is an allegory. And so there may be things that you should read and you're like, well, what does that represent? How is that symbolic of this? Or, you know, there may be questions that rise up for you and in your reading. Be sure to, to, 
to talk to one of us and come and ask us before you just give up on it. Yeah, and, and there are lots of resources online that you can, I mean, don't let it discourage you if you're not quite sure. Go ahead and just press through reading through it. If you don't understand everything, it's okay. That's a great point because it is a little confusing at times. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's a good word. But until next time, uh, we hope that this episode's been a help to you. Please, uh, please share and like the podcast. But we want to wish you grace and peace as you go.